I'm Jean McCaddy, and you're listening to FTTV. back with FTTV Troops what have we just watched I mean absolute madness um, I'll say no more about a blurb or anything like that let's just get right into the bloody meat of it if, straight off the bat is this not just the best show <laughs> you've ever watched and secondly uh, I mean definitely this is the best episode by far Truff I think in terms of when when they said Star Wars were going to TV, I was a bit I was a bit hesitant because for me, especially this time of year, it hits me that Star Wars is an event. You know, you go to the cinema, you you book your tickets in advance, you meet up on the night. There's that anticipation for it. You know, it's it's all the more better because we only get it in small doses. And then they gave us the TV show. <laughs> then they gave us season one, and I was like, okay, okay, this was good. Maybe they can top it. Maybe they can go even further. The whole of season two, we've said, has been utterly fantastic. This episode felt the most like being in the cinema watching a Star Wars movie. Like, Aye. the reactions I had, even just watching this myself, were unbelievable. The, the episode takes you up, it takes you down, it expands the universe in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, we just need another franchise. It feels organic to the story. Aye. And for that reason, I think this is one of my favourite episodes of television. Full yeah. stop that I've never watched. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Torres, I mean, just <laughs> just utter madness. Um, we've been saying all the way through how much we've enjoyed it. And uh, what I love about this episode, even though it wasn't full of surprises, it was still just executed perfectly. Uh, what's your thoughts? I'm still genuinely flabbergasted about it. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I couldn't have done it any better and I don't think anyone else could have done it yeah. any better than it was. No, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I want to just, I want to make it a really personal, like, I'll, I'll get into it and I'll, I'll do the wee, I suppose I will do a little blurb and we'll, we'll go through it sort of mm-hmm. uh, chronologically, but I do, uh, is there a favourite scene or a favourite bit or was there something Truff yeah. that that really really will just stick with you. I know that the episode as a whole was great, but like, is there anything in that episode that you just thought, yes, I needed that. That was that was what you wanted. The closure. It was, it was that whole sequence because I can't remember if it was. It may have been Torres who pointed this out in the chat that if you remember the Rogue One scene where Vader shows up and yeah, just slaughters everybody. <laughs> this was the light side equivalent of that, like the hooded Jedi figure with the gloved hand and the green lightsaber cutting his way through these dark troopers who, by the way, would have absolutely ended everything because they were OP as fuck. Like, all their stats were <laughs> for some reason. Uh, but no match for the Jedi coming through. And it wasn't even about the reveal of who that was. Just that moment and how well it was shot and how amazing the music was throughout that entire sequence. I could go back and watch that one clip 
and be satisfied with the episode. Definitely. That I mean, that was my question. You've answered that pinpoint. That was yeah. If you could go back and watch one clip, like just it just absolutely, I don't know, just amazing, like amazing to watch. As a, I think even for somebody who isn't a Star Wars fan, maybe maybe some of the people who aren't Star Wars fans will see it and be completely turned off by it. But I think you got to just. I don't know. Sometimes you've got to put that kind of prejudice aside and put your hands up and say that was class to watch. Um, you know, as you said, the it was no surprise really that it was Luke um, early doors. We we seen the the X wing and stuff, so we knew the high chance it's going to be Luke. The, then we see the gloved hand uh, and of course green lightsaber. So you know it was all pointing to. I, I know, like I, I still liked that they obviously kept it kind of hidden. Um, like he, he wasn't showing his face or anything, but we were pretty certain that it had been look at that point. Yeah. Um, Torres, pretty much the same question. I mean, I imagine <laughs> it will probably be a similar answer, but uh, maybe aside from the fact, uh, aside from that particular scene, which was of course um, most people's favourite scene on that, was there was there anything from this episode that you take away and you just go, that was what you needed to uh, to close this season off? Oh. I think this whole episode sets up next season as well because you've got the fallout of mm-hmm. the, the the duel between Gideon and Mando. Obviously, what a duel, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I was a bit raging. I thought it was a bit short, but at yeah. the same time, it was for what we got, it was phenomenal. But now you've got the kind of worms of Mando's rightfully got the dark saber in his possession and he's got a right to the throne of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. So where does that lead? Is Bo Katan gonna is Bo Katan gonna start scrapping with him or is she uh, just gonna fall into line? Uh, that's the thing. Uh, that is the thing, isn't it? Um before we do get into the meat of that bit, um I will I will, as I said, go back to the start here and we'll just sort of talk about it. Um I'm I'm actually trying to remember the exact uh, start now. You know that way it just seems so <laughs> so far away now after everything that happened. That because I mean the episode was what like ten minutes longer than the la- the previous two. But <laughs> as you said, Truff, it felt like a movie on its own. Um, the the whole uh, intensity of it um, was just oh, just perfect. Um, Anyway, yeah, so from the start, Truff, can you remember the, the exact start and you were about to say there a, a particular line? That, so, um, it was when the the shuttle, so the, the uh, Dr. Pershing's on the shuttle, the shuttle. Of course, yeah. And they board that. And there's that exchange between this scene doesn't focus on, you've got all these heavy hitters, Boba Fett's there, Dr. Pershing's back, and Mando himself. But when they dock that, it's when, you know, the, the Imperial... Uh, what the fuck is he called? I'm calling him a driver. He's not a taxi the, uh, two driver. Pilots, <laughs> the pilot, aye. Um, starts to say that, you know, oh, what happened to Alderaan? And then he, and then he says something about um, how he was happy to see the destruction of Alderaan. Mm. Um, and that it's, it's, which Death Star was she a part of blowing up? Because millions of people died on that. Mm-hmm. And I love lines like that, that sort of throw it back to the rebellion that shows... You guys aren't perfect. You know, the amount of people that you've killed, um, what he read the galaxy of terrorism was a, another line he said. And mm-hmm. I just love those wrinkles to it. Because we know the Empire are the bad guys, but when you throw in those shades of grey, and that's a great way to start off this episode, that was chef's kiss to me. Loved it. 
No, definitely, definitely. I think, uh, well, you hit the nail on the head there just with everything you said there, but um, yeah, we're, we're used to the sort of PC um, approach to a lot of the Star Wars films, I feel, that you've obviously got this light side versus dark side, the rebels, you know, are all nice and icy and everything else, but in this sort of hostile world where there's, I mean, it's in the name Star Wars, it's an actual war, so yeah. there is no real... You can never say that either side is completely just in what they're doing. Um, and from what we've seen as well, I think even just in the last episode, when you've got big players like Bill, I was about to say like Bill Burr, like Miggs Mayfield, played by Bill Burr, um, he clearly has a heart. You know, he's not he's not Officer uh, Valen Hess or he's not this pilot guy <laughs> um, who clearly take joy in this imperial game like you know this this huge um sadist sort of <laughs> say this sort of uh, approach to things but you do get these people who you know and loads and loads of stormtroopers that we see obviously uh, later on in the sequels as well um who are just conscripted as kids kids so they're, they're you know literally born in this life and can't do anything about it uh, and i'm sure the same the sure i'm sure that that would have been the same case for a lot of the um, the Imperials first time round and second time round um, and both Death Stars and as you said a lot of people died on them so you know it's funny how no one really cares about their life but if it's like a planet like Alderaan or something that's blown up and <laughs> yeah. people die then of course that's remembered in you know the history of the rebels and stuff um, no it's, it's an interesting one I, I like that as you said the way that the Mandalorians kind of opened their eyes a wee bit to it in a sort of lawless, hostile world where Mando doesn't really fall into place with dark or light. He's, yeah. uh, even though, you know, honour is something that, that he um, holds high, it's not, he, he does still kill people for a living and, or like, you know, hunting people down and, and you know, put an end to things. So, um, yeah, Torres, what's what's your thoughts really um on that that scene there with, with Persians and um, we obviously get that sort of I don't know that sort of conflict that clearly one of them was all for just throwing in the towel and saying look we'll hand it over like, you know at the end of the day they're probably not going to get very far they've still got you know uh, an empire to deal with really or you know uh, remnants of an empire uh, whereas the other guy was, was obviously not backing down so it just shows you again on top of that on top of the the grittiness that we've seen throughout the last two seasons, we also get even a divide within the camp. So, um, did you think that was a good scene, sort of to to start us off? We obviously get another glimpse of Doctor Persons and and his um, his role in all this. Yeah, well, I think it's very well well done in the fact that you've probably got that pilot that eventually gets killed. He, He's probably having these doubts ever since the empires fell, and the kind of the kind of playoff of you either leave the empire and probably go to jail or executed for war crimes, mm-hmm. or you go down the route of you're that deeply ingrained in the empire that you actually believe every single like principle they stand for. Yeah, which which I think the other pilot kind of fell into. Mm-hmm. So you've got the kind of two spectrums of folk that are doubting their beliefs now and folk that are set on it. 
and I yeah. thought it was just really, really well put together. Yeah, I think yeah, perfect way to start the episode with it. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. I, I hadn't even really. You kind of forget that it's like completely remnants now of of what used to be the empire. And I think yeah, to to bring us back to that right at the very start of the episode, uh, the episode which of course was going to be a huge conclusion. It kind of just reminded us, you know, of where we're at in the story and in the timeline and stuff. Because I feel like, well, particularly for me, maybe not so much for you guys, but for for me who um, has always dropped in and out of being a Star Wars fan, not never disliked it, but you know, I go through phases of of liking it and picking it up again and whatever. Mandalorian uh, definitely has you know brought that back to me, but. It reminded me this at the start of this episode where we're at in the timeline and stuff, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of people who maybe aren't avid watchers and have maybe not caught all the way through Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff. So, um, yeah, just to, to as I said, just to show us now where we're at and and what Mando, Boba, Fennec, you know, all these sort of all these sort of rogue characters. Uh, I was going to, I was kind of using the term rogue loosely there because. <laughs> Don't want any confusion, uh, but I, you know, these these characters with with no real, uh, no real allegiance or alliance, um, but yeah, so we moved on uh, quite quickly. Obviously, they they commandeer the ship, uh, and um, well, the, I'm I'm actually trying. I honestly can't remember the start of the episode. It feels like it was that long ago. <laughs> Trump, you can help. You can help us out here. So uh, they they obviously. Um, Basically, board the ship, and lock then, it down, and then yeah, they, they go away, and it cuts to the scene in the cantina where they meet some old faces. After that, ah, of course, of course, we meet some old faces. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get we get the the Bo-Katan reappearance finally because we did speak about it at length, uh, pretty much every episode after we got our first <laughs> appearance. That when are we going to see her again? And when is she coming back? Is she just going to body rocket in? Uh, you know, and um. Sorry to kind of cut across, but like, I actually, it, it's funny how what I was just saying there, um, we got introdu- introduced to a lot of these characters and we spoke about all the different rumours, we spoke about what we could possibly see in the, you know, this last episode. Um, and I think what Mandalorian has done so well is completely keep everything hidden like there's been no real spoilers um and i don't know i don't know who is in charge of that i don't know if it's favreau being like you know putting the fist down and, and saying like this this needs to be kept quiet like we want this to be i think that makes it all all the better to be honest um the yeah. the more stuff that gets leaked it, it just becomes predictable uh, and as i said even though luke was kind of one that we had obviously spoke about and speculated with um, and then, you know, when we did see it, it was no real surprise. You know, we obviously spoke about it maybe being Carl or Mace Windu, who would have been harder to explain, I think. Um, yeah. Luke, Luke was definitely someone who was cutting about at the time. Um, so, you know, it, it, it made sense, really. And it was the least, um, the, the least hard to explain, I'd say. Uh, so, yeah, we meet some old friends. We've got Bo-Katan. And uh, Sasha Banks's character, which uh, is it, Carsa? Is it Cosca Ka- Reeves? Cosca Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. Not only are they avoiding spoilers, they're encouraging people to actively lie. Uh, <laughs> like on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, just ago. make shit up. 
Aye, about this Sasha Banks thing. She's like, oh, I'm not back the rest of the season. Fucking bullshit. She defended her title last night. I was rooting against her the full time because of it. I was like, aye, this lying <laughs> bitch doesn't deserve to be champion. But <laughs> I know. Anyway, I mean, yeah, good to see her back in action in wrestling. And uh, she, I mean, she may as well have just been in wrestling in the scene that she makes an appearance uh, <laughs> as she grabs Boba Fett by the head and DDTs him. Uh, with a with a turnbuckle, uh, a turnbuckle, uh, a, a, a turnbuckle, fucking swivel as well. She pure like ran up the pillar as if it was a turnbuckle. Wow. Um, nah, but what, what a, a great scene um, where you've obviously there's a respect between um, Mando and Bo-Katan and also Coscarides, I suppose. Uh, but to see Boba Fett first walk in there. And just an absolute raging boat and uh, Bo Katan, like she's just like you don't deserve this, <laughs> you don't deserve this armor. Like yeah. it, it just um, again it brought us back to what possibly could be a, a huge, huge storyline uh, in the future with um, the fate of Mandalore and also just the tension that that is obviously quite prevalent amongst uh, sort of factors uh, factions. Sorry of. The Mandalorians that we also spoke about in a previous episode, um, you know, of Din Djarin, who obviously falls under this ancient, you know, belief system of of Mandalore, uh, and then you've got Bo-Katan, this sort of new, sort of new hip, uh, <laughs> the new cool <laughs> wave of Mandalores who you know get to do what they want, they get to take their helmets off and everything. That's that's class, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you've got you've got that immediate tension that we had both with they two. And now already this challenging of Boba Fett and and his um, you know right to wear the armor. Um, anyway, it was quite quickly um, brushed aside, and Bo-Katan obviously put bygones be, be bygones, and, and thought right, well, there's obviously a bigger fucking problem here because uh, <laughs> I don't have my dark saber, um, which is interesting. I want to mention it now while I, while we're on that topic. Um, I've obviously not got to. I don't even know if it is Clone Wars or if it's at the, if it's in Rebels that Sabine Wren would give uh, Bo-Katan the dark saber. Now I want to talk about this. Do we do we think that she's been given it and it's a rightfully hers or how does that work? Because they've obviously thrown this tie this um, sort of disclaimer into the dark saber and how it can be used. It needs to be obviously one in battle. Uh, or one in some sort of feud and then you can wield it um, similar to what we see with wands in, in Harry Potter that's what it was kind of reminding me of like you know the Elder Wand or something like that um, so yeah Torres do we do we know for sure like if it's actually hers or did she just have full intentions of winning it first well in Rebels bit of a spoiler if you've not watched it but in Rebels, Sorry, just spoil it for everyone. <laughs> Sabine Wren comes across it, I'm pretty sure, in Darth Maul's lawyer, because he's technically the kind of last holder, to my knowledge anyway. So she right. comes across it, and then she then trains with it to become like useful with it, but to unite Mandalore. But then we get to Mandalore, we have a big fight with the Empire, and then she then hands it to fucking mind blank. What do you call her? What's Bo-Katan. her face? <laughs> Tan. That's her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's then given the dark saber to Bo-Katan. And then as she she deems 
Bo-Katana better face to lead Mandalo and kind of mm-hmm. lead them against the Empire mm-hmm. and unite all the clans. So that's like the last point that you see the Darksaber until Moff Gideon cuts himself out the TIE Fighter at the end of Season 1. Mm-hmm. So, right, technically she hasn't won it and it's been given, so that's where I don't get why she was refusing it this episode. That's mm-hmm. where I was scratching my head and I so, can't really get my head around it. Yeah, well, that, that is the reason I ask. Um, so, I, I don't know if they've added this in now and it's sort of new. And I don't, again, I don't think that would be something that Dave Filoni would have uh, like written in if he wasn't sure that that was how it worked. You know, I don't think he would have made the mistake to, like, oh, yeah, it used to be that you could just hand it to somebody. But in Mandalorian, uh, you know, you need it needs to be won. Uh, I do think maybe falsely so did Sabine Sabine Wren did she win it off of Darth Maul did she steal it from him or what she finds it I'm pretty sure so it's she been a while find, since I watched Rebels she just finds it yeah I'm pretty sure she finds it in his lair okay and then uh, just kind of takes it because she knows yeah. what it is yeah so Truff what, what's your thoughts on that then can you remember back to Rebels and if you know um you know, I, I I I believe it was forged. I can't actually remember the name, but it was forged to like the first king of Mandalore or the first. Um, it was you know, actually leader of Mandalore. First, it was the first Jedi, uh, the first oh, Mandalore. Yeah, Jedi. sorry, Mandalore that was yeah. inducted into the, Je- into the Jedi. Yeah, which is um, an interesting wee twist there. I love. We've got this this uh, look into Bo-Katan's history, and I love how she references that. Which it was said to uh, Boba, "I've heard your voice a thousand times before." So yeah. they clearly want us to think back to Clone Wars and Rebels, yeah. which is interesting when I think Torres has hit the nail in the head. He's saying he's scratching his head about it. I think that's because, and it's the one criticism I'll have of them because the writing for the most part is really, really good. But Oh, no, we, 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 we've got a great episode, but I, I do have some points and I think I'll convert you and I think I'll, I'll make you also believe in them. But anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that this feels like a lazy sort of retcon to manufacture tension between uh, Bo-Katan and Dinjarin. Yeah, so you, so you're not entirely, you're not entirely convinced that it's, um, you know, it's always been Dave Filoni's intention, really, with it. Nah, I don't think it has. Nah. I really don't think it has. So the Bo-Katan has Bo-Katan actually used it and wielded it before. Yep. Okay, right. That that's what I wanted to know because I'm thinking if Sabine Wren took it, didn't ever use it. Gave it to Bo-Katan, and then she never really got a chance to use it. And Moff Gideon won it, then he can use it. And I'm thinking, right, well, we're back to square one. So you think maybe it's just a a sort of ploy now that will obviously spark some tension for the next season. Yeah, it might be a it might be a traditional thing. It's a shame because you know I think the canon's so clean. Uh, usually, and we've obviously been giving Dave Filoni a lot and a lot of applauds for his uh, his writing here and his um, yeah. producing for it. So I, I'm a bit upset that that is the case. To be honest, <laughs> I'm a bit like, oh, what? You can't just fucking make up rules now all of a sudden, like. You know, I'm willing to let it go because it's mostly great. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> I, I believe that it should have been like that. That's the thing. Uh, ah. It's, it's the fact that she was happy to take it off Sabine Wren when she technically yields it, but when yeah. Mando does it, she's like, oh no, I can't do that. But I don't know if it's because when Sabine Wren gave it to her, everyone was all for it. 
But now there's the kind of case of if <sighs> yeah, if she if she took it and Gideon survived, he'd then basically go around basically talking behind her back, <laughs> saying, no, <laughs> she, she, about she, she didn't win that, she was ah, giving it. It's not even hers, she was fucking giving it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, gifted it, man. Uh, yeah, it's, an, it's interesting. Um, anyway, we've obviously jumped the gun there a wee bit, but um, we do get the, the makings of a, a really great plot. I love that scene and you've got Slave One chasing the the obviously commandeered uh, Imperial ship with Bo-Katan. Um, I'm trying to think who was that. Yeah, it was Bo-Katan that was the pilot, wasn't she? Um, mm-hmm. You've obviously got Cosca Reeves and you've got Cara Dune and the... Well, you've got Cara Dune and Mando, sorry for that matter, all on that. And then yeah. you've got Slave One as the kind of... Um, the rogue ship that's that's chasing it down. I just lo- I love that. I just like how inventive that was and how, you know, I don't know. It, it, it was clever, but at the same time, like I was kind of expecting Moff Gideon to see through it a wee bit because he's been so mm. he's been so smart up to this point. Anyway, I can understand why you know they kind of got away with it. I liked it. It wasn't that they were like, oh yeah, come on in, because see that would have been what I would have expected from a Star Wars movie. Where every, every, <laughs> like no, you know that everybody's just pure stupid. Like just, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, we're under attack. Oh, right, okay, no worries. I hold on. I'll just get these, uh, get all these shields down. That I, uh, blah blah blah. But I like how he was like, send the, the tie fighters first. Like, still keep the shields yeah. up. Like all that kind of stuff. And was, he was almost suspicious, but um, uh, obviously, what helped or what um, you know, allowed them to. Um, to execute it was Bo-Katan's persistence to just fly the fuck in there um, <laughs> she's like, yeah. uh, like get out of the fucking launch bay and he's like she's like nah just gonna fly I'm just gonna f- uh, fly right in so I, I did I like that it wasn't like oh, okay let's just come in anyway I, I was um, also kind of thought that maybe um, Moff Gideon would have had something up his sleeve to to fix that so we're on the ship um, and it's yeah, it's you know they've all got the, they're all got their own sort of uh, plan here where the the girls the uh, the girl power is going to just tear through all the stormtroopers and and make their way towards the bridge uh, yeah. where while Mando makes his way towards the brig um, to obviously get to Grogu um, who is closely guarded by dark troopers and I love I just I love that I just love how that's made that whole tension uh like the <laughs> like the dark troopers need to be like loaded up <laughs> like they need to be fucking buffered uh and like <laughs> quickly installed before they can be used and i just i love how that works um <laughs> you know it just gives them enough time to uh, well you know get get the, the job done really um so yeah truff we're on the we're on the we're on the ship and uh get to the brig and start blasting folk again truthfully what you mentioned earlier that sort of no mercy really uh, by another another rebels but you know by the, the sort of light side in this they just <laughs> literally walk in and they take no prisoners don't hesitate to kill all of them uh, who are in the bridge um, and again it even they even make comment to it as well so you know, what's your thoughts on that? And you know, what, what was it like to see really powerful female characters as well? Just absolutely tear through it. It was really good because I seen someone online 
like there was a meme on it and it was like the Avengers Endgame bit with all the female heroes there and it was like the wee guy with cereal and he's like I'm not going to let them shove this all female stuff down my throat and then it cuts to like this and it's like the cereal getting spat out you know what I mean like yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. A, it's just really good because it feels like organic it wasn't just like oh look at all our cool female characters here it was like no look at these four legit like Star Wars badasses like four yes. characters that you yeah. really care about and you're entertained and seeing it and they've been given screen time before this all of them the chance to flesh out before they came together as a as a unit here and that's what made the difference for me the whole thing was great every one of the four got their chance to shine in that little action sequence as well yeah, yeah. Um, and i love that bit where cara can't quite get to the, the gun to work <laughs> like, oh, hand is like nope and then she just goes and <laughs> mows everyone the fuck down it was so class man Mate, it was actually mental because I was going like, why is she not using that fucking gun? She's got this big fucking like, sentry gun strapped to her back. Uh, and she's just using this wee blaster. Uh, obviously she does, she whips it out eventually. Um, but I was I was wondering, like, what, why bring that into a battle if you're just going to use it for like two guys? I would just be storming in there with that. Um, <laughs> anyway, you know, wouldn't they make, it wouldn't have the same effect, I suppose. Um, but no, it was it was just class the dynamic that they had. Obviously, there was also the scene where they're sort of stopped on the bridge and they, they get surrounded for both sides. And uh, Koska Reeves and Bo-Katan have obviously just sort of uh, rocketed off the side uh, just to kind of set a wee trap I suppose um, and it's good it's just it's all good isn't it all good uh, all very good to watch um, but yeah on, on the other hand we've got um, we've got Mando heading towards the brig uh, Torres so you know we, we're obviously going to see these dark troopers in action we hadn't seen them fight the last time you know we, we, were, we even spoke about it in the, in the episode um, I think it was chapter 14 Um and we spoke about how you know we were kind of wanting to see a bit more. Like we were, uns- we got we got to see the, the dark troopers for the first time, and all they really done was land, pick up, and fuck off again. So we were, you know, we were obviously anticipating some sort of action from them, and fucking we couldn't have really imagined how powerful they were going to be or how good they were going to be. Um, Moff Gideon has done well to get these manufactured for sure. Um, I suppose the only downside is that. They need fucking loaded up. Uh, so when Mando gets a hold, yeah, well, the, we we know the story. So what what was your what was your thoughts on that, Torres? I think it kind of showed how formidable they were because he he dodged the bullet and he managed to shut the door on them, but one still managed to get out, mm-hmm. and he tried the flamethrower that did he haw. I think he tried his wee rope and he get ragdolled. Aye. And Chinese it wasn't rockets until, as well. Yeah. Uh, and he actually, he actually seen the strength of his suit as well, with the fact that the dark trooper was just whamping him, and mm-hmm. his suit was actually going into the wall. And his helmet was actually getting battled into the wall Aye. because of how, because of how strong the Beskar is. But it wasn't mm-hmm. until he got hold of the Beskar spear that he finally managed to get in. Because if he didn't have that, he would have been mangled. Absolutely, absolutely mandoed man and, you know and i do need to make fun of the design a wee bit because they, they were very powerful in that right but i couldn't help but think see when he was punching them all i could hear him in my head was saying destroy buzz lightyear destroy buzz lightyear <laughs> like fucking zog <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely glitched out <laughs> That's what it felt i like thought that. that i thought that loads of times to be fair like um i felt like 
yes, they're very powerful and all that, but surely it's a bit of a design flaw actually making them droids because, like, <laughs> they're just, like, programmed to do that. See, when they were punching the door in, like, for so long, I thought there was so much more that you just could have been doing at that point. You could have <laughs> certainly had, like, maybe four or four or five of them doing it, like, or, or four or five, like, maybe pulling it at the same time. I thought, why are you just <laughs> two of them? I'm going to punch Jack, the door down. They're rocking, socking robots, and there's only two of them. Don't you understand? <laughs> anyway, no, I, uh, I definitely I liked how, how powerful they came across, because um, Mando was fucked if he didn't have Beskar armor and if he didn't have a Beskar spear. In fact, uh, everybody would be fucked uh, if he didn't have Beskar armor, to be fair. <laughs> Mando Mando would not have survived both this season and the last season if it wasn't for his uh, armour so he's a, a lucky yeah. guy definitely um, when you think of them, uh, how quickly people die in this yeah. thing like uh, I mean <laughs> I just mean Stormtrooper 1648 um, <laughs> like how easily he gets hit with a fucking blaster and just dies um, that is really the, the true case in Star Wars uh, if you've not got armour and you get hit with a blaster and it hits you anywhere and, you, and you're kind of you're drunk uh, you're, you're fucked so it's going to put a hole in you so um, yeah uh, it, it just um, yeah he's really he's really lucky and well, at least he was well equipped to even take on one of them uh, let alone if he had managed to get the uh, the actual platoon on him he would have been gubbed he would have yeah, he certainly wouldn't have made it out of there. Uh, but I liked that scene as well. I liked that he managed to kill the one, but also evade the rest of them. And he kind of, kind of <laughs> blew a sigh of relief, thinking, "Yeah, so okay, that's been done." And, and I remember going like, "That was class," because they would have obviously been far too powerful for the lot of them there. Um, anyway, he manages to get to Grogu's cell, uh, but. <laughs> Who's sitting there waiting? <laughs> of it's all people, Gideon. uh, just sitting there with his bloody Guts. dark cockit, uh, dark uh, saber, <laughs> and he's he's just chilling. But uh, and I like how like Grogu's pure mesmerised by it. Like I like how he's like, like he's kind of like waving it above Grogu's head as if like I don't know, as if it's like kind of keeping him occupied. Um, <laughs> that's quite cool. Um. But yeah, that was a, a nice standoff, and we finally got the finally got the the fight that we we spoke about at length and wanted. Um, Dark Saber versus Beskar Spear. Uh, Truff, yeah. Torres mentioned that it was maybe a wee bit short. What's your thoughts? I interesting to see if Torres has like further thoughts on it, but I actually thought it was perfect for what it was because you see that bit where he does his classic movie villain like ah I'll let you go kid no I'm back turn <laughs> back you know? uh, like, which was really good because I really want Gideon to just be that classic sort of despicable <laughs> villain arsehole who'll try and take anything he can but what this did was show that you know he's an intellectual you know he's the, he's the trick he's the trickster he's the guy who's one step ahead he's not a physical match for Mando so despite having the dark saber and despite it being a good fight for what it was, if it went on much quicker, if it was, if it was an epic battle between the two of them, for me that's a bit of a disconnect because I don't think he should be able to go toe to toe, danger in, you know. So I liked that for what it was, but I don't know if Torres <laughs> differently. Aye, but I get I get what you're saying, but at the same time he's somehow got it off Bo Katan, so that's um, making her look weak. Yeah. 
True. If if Mando shows up, beats him in five minutes, and then it makes her look like a daddy. That's also yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, well, this makes I, a good point. <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah, that is a good, that's a good rebuttal. To be fair, I think I'm, yeah, I'm somewhere on the, on both sides of that. I, I get what you're saying because I, I don't think, I think Moff Gideon's brains are better than his brawn. I think that's meant to be part of his character. I, you know, I, I'm not expecting him to be a, a very, you know, a very powerful swordsman or yeah. saberman, but. Um, yeah, I think a wee bit longer would have probably just done it. I think another wee twist in the tail, maybe even, uh, maybe even Grogu, kind of a bit of movement, or you know what I mean? Maybe Dinger and right. having to grab Grogu first, or you know what I mean? Something like that. If he's maybe he even, you know what I mean? Cap or something. Like that. I was thinking more like if uh, Moff Gideon like manages for whatever reason manages to stall uh, Dinger in. And maybe like makes a charge for um, Grogu. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, he did obviously say, "No, I've got the blood. I've got what I wanted." So he knows that really, Grogu is no use to him now. He wasn't telling a lie when he said that. I know he was lulling lull, um, uh, Mando into a false sense of security with that. Obviously, to kind of yeah. to try and um, sneak attack him. But I think, yeah, I think even something like that would have would have just made it that wee bit longer and also made it that wee bit like, ooh, you know, a wee bit more intense, I think. Um, definitely. I get these But yeah, but good. It was just good. I like, like, I also think as much as we've just kind of bigged up Moff Gideon's smarts, like, <laughs> you should know that he's never going to fucking beat Mando because yeah. the one thing that he cannot cut through is his armour and his spear. <laughs> so what does he expect here? Um, I think... I, I suppose it, he could have though. aimed for the neck or something like that, but uh, yeah, uh, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing that, that he even really, he really tried to to do anything. I think, as we'll see later on, he doesn't really care about living at this point. I think, as far as Gideon's concerned, uh, his job's done. You know, Gideon's Gideon's done what he sought out to do. So does he really need to do anything else? I think maybe it was just a moment of pride and to lose to. Dinger in actually helps him, so it could be the case that he purposefully yeah. engaged him. Oh, he could have lost the Bogotan, who would have just absolutely destroyed him. Could yeah, have lost the Karajun, who would have probably killed him. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he knows he's creating conflict by losing to Din, you know. Yeah. yeah, oh no, definitely. I, I think, yeah, I get the smarts in that, but I also just think, like, yeah, there's actually no there was no point in him sneak attacking, really. <laughs> he, yeah. he could have. You know, probably done something else. But anyway, okay, let's uh, just uh, face up, uh, like immediately. Right, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah, he's just like ah, I'm just going to. I suppose that he's going to provoke him so that he has, so that he has to yield the the saber. Yeah. I suppose, but at the same time, what if he had? What like what if? Okay, it's all what ifs. I suppose uh, there's no really even put any point in speaking about them. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on to that bit. So we'll obviously get um, Moff taken back to the, the bridge um, and I just love that absolute panic absolute panic from Bo-Katan she's just like oh what the fuck happened like oh no what's happened to you what's happened um, you know well even when they got to the bridge and she was like oh Moff's not here so straight away she was kind of like something's up here um, yeah. you know something's wrong and aye it, it's just it, 
again, like you said, it does make sense that he's obviously brought back in cuffs and he's just like sniggering away at you. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking got you. Uh, and I love it. I love how just how fucking blasé he is about everything there. And that whole scene, he's just like so smitten with the fact that he's done it. He's like, nah, fucking got you. And uh, Bo-Katan just sits, just stands there absolutely seething. Um I love that. So we've obviously really we've discussed that whole dark saber um, sort of disclaimer there and stuff. So we won't really need to cover that again. But um, you know, I take it you were both a fan of like what that created. You know, the the conflict that we've obviously got there. Just it does really set up for uh, a really interesting divide uh, for Mandalore or um, you know feud for Mandalore. Um, what what are your thoughts, um, Torres, going into the next season uh, for that? If, if it's well, a possibility. Well, I think it'd be very stupid not to, unless they resolve this issue in the first mm-hmm. episode and then go down a different route, then fine. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of at the point now that they have to address it because it's such a kind of elephant in the room. Like, they couldn't get away with just saying, oh, here's another episode to keep you happy. It would have to be an answer as to what's happening. Like, Aye. He's the rightful owner of that dark saber for now, but does that mean that she's going to fall into line and accept it, or is she going to I ask doubt to it. fight him? I doubt it. And I and I do think. I mean, I am not clued up with the Bo-Katan stuff, right? And I don't. I have no doubt that she's, you know, a class fighter, class warrior. Uh, you know, as all Mandalorians are. Um, but what we've seen from Dinjarin is pure beauty. Uh, both in short combat and also, you know, with with spears, with uh, all these wee gadgets and that. I think um, <clears throat> also he's got shinier armour, so surely that one. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Do you know what this... I hate to bring another Game of Thrones comparison into it, but he is essentially Jon Snow uh, to her Daenerys Targaryen yeah. at this point. He's yeah. the guy who doesn't know politics, doesn't really know how to be a leader, but has somehow found himself in this position where he's holding the dark saber. She's the one who has given her life, yeah. you know, to Mandalore. And we're talking about, you know, the shades of grey in the Star Wars universe. There's no greater shade of grey uh, in the Star Wars universe than Bo-Katan herself. And I said this from day one, not to toot my own horn, I said in that first episode, yeah, you did, you do, not, did. do not, in, under any circumstances, think that she will be a long-term ally or they will not come into conflict in some way. Now, I didn't expect it to be on this scale, but this is something that Bo-Katan does. She's a character who can use both as, you know, a good guy and someone who can be a really, really vicious antagonist when she wants to be. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. In fact, Tuff, you just said that you didn't, uh, you didn't think it was going to be on this scale, but I'm pretty sure on the episode... You did mention that that might be the case. Uh, you, yeah. we actually when we first appeared, when she first appeared, sorry, uh, we thought that she would play a bigger role in this season. Again, yeah. again with what we said, there was nothing. There was nothing we could really do or predict, um, which are, which is what something I really liked about you know podcasting about this um, yeah. series was that we, we were always just trying to come up with something fresh, something <laughs> some new ideas because we really had no idea. Um, yeah. And the fact that we honestly seen her twice, like we seen her the first time, and then we didn't get her until very, like the very end, really. Yeah. Um, 
But you did mention, I'm pretty sure, in the first episode that uh, Mando's allegiance with his old ways and the ancient ways uh, will probably come on to call, come into conflict. Sorry, with yeah. this sort of new um, new wave of Mandalorian way of thinking and and Bo-Katan at the helm of that. So um, it could be the I, case that I think I think that is the most likely now going forward. That um, although Dangerin like you said, there's a sort of Jon Snow comparison, isn't really, um, you know, ha- has no want for the throne or has any knowledge of, of what it means to be uh, a leader for that. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, he'll be heavily backed by the old ways to, you know, to instil- to obviously reinstate this sort of religion, I suppose, this sort of way of thinking back to the people of Mandalore. Um, whereas, that is like Bo-Katan's worst nightmare, I can imagine. Uh, not only has she lost the Darksaber, lost you know, the imminent throne that she thought she was getting, but then she would actually find herself on the wrong side uh, of of the battle, you know, the, the, the side that's probably least back. Well, not, maybe not least back, there's maybe uh, more populous on the other side, but certainly the stronger, uh, more historical... Um, side on the the older ways so again you're going to find this conflict within Mando where he was quite happy to yield it but he might find himself uh, you know at, at the mercy of his, his own people they might be like no you need to keep it it's your thing you know blah 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 and if you don't do it then you know you'll be kicked out for our group <laughs> I think uh, I think know. so I I could see because I don't think you want Bo-Katan to die a villain, you know? Nah. So even if there's conflict at the start, if Din keeps the Darksaber, goes back to the tribe, the armorer's going to take one look at him, hit, hit him with that fucking hammer of hers, and be like, right, Darksaber's mine now, troops, let's take Mandalore. You know what I mean? So, And then there's that as well, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. You, you kind of forget um, that... Well, in fact, just just generally, right? We obviously go on about how how powerful Mandalorians are, and and their you know their sort of thirst for uh, fighting, <laughs> their thirst for that's just what they do. Um, so yeah, you're you're probably right that there would be no real allegiance to that. You know, if anything, she's just the armorer. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, has provided these people with with excellent weaponry and excellent uh, armor. So. You know, she is she is the sort of leader to that. She is the one that the tribe go to for yeah. not just the, the advice and stuff, but obviously the as I said, their equipment. So, um, yeah, like she'll be very knowledgeable and probably have a bigger, uh, you know, if if not the same as Bo-Katan, but probably a bigger, um, you know, want for the throne or like, uh, trying to think of the word, like a yearning, you know, to be. Almighty and all powerful in this in this world. So, yeah, uh, that's an interesting take on that. And I wonder if Dinjarin just gets caught up in it and, and doesn't really know where his allegiance lies. Not not just because of the religion, the the you know the the religious aspect of it. I keep saying religious, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I get you. There could also be you know he he kind of maybe feels that. Actually, Bogutan has given him more, you know, with with, with regards to Grogu and, and all that. Like at the end of the day, what really has the armor given him other than armor, you know, that he is <laughs> entitled to, really? So, 
Um, yeah, I know it's 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 definitely going to be a it's going to be a big one next season. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Torres, how how did you think the the closing sort of bit was? We obviously spoke again about the sequence of look coming in, absolutely class. Seen the X wing, we all knew it was happening, brilliant. But that scene when he had like uh, Dinger and hands over Grogu, basically, you know, it's just absolutely gut wrenching, isn't it? Aye, it was it was a tough watch. We'll say that. <laughs> But tear the glass eye. <laughs> aye, it's that way. You you knew it was coming. You didn't know who it would have been, who he was gonna go with, if he was gonna go. But it's the fact that like it goes down to like Jedi have got a way of communicating without talking. Mm-hmm. If you you know, because obviously aye. Mando turns around and says, "Oh, he doesn't want to go with you," and Luke says, "No, he's he's wanting permission." Yeah. And then obviously they they save our goodbyes and Mando's like you need to go so that you you can learn the ways of the Jedi and kind of get trained because uh-huh. it's his people and yeah. I just thought it was very well put together and I've got no doubt that we'll see him again and oh, I've got a fun and I've got a funny feeling he might have a lightsaber in. <laughs> probably pretty. Pretty handy with a lightsaber by then, hopefully. Um, I mean, my I'm getting goosebumps just talking about that scene again. It's just <laughs> it's absolutely mental. Uh, so I mean, you're an emotional guy. Uh, <laughs> how yeah. how did you how did you cope with that whole fiasco? It was it was completely. It's one of those things where you brought something up at the beginning of the episode, Jack. Where you said it wasn't unpredictable, but it was entertaining. And sometimes I think. In modern story storytelling, people or writers try to, you know, throw in twists or things we wouldn't expect because they think, oh, we can't just go with the predictable option. When sometimes the predictable option is the most fulfilling. You know, we all predicted that Grogu would maybe go off with this Jedi at the end of the season. You know, we predicted that moment taking off the helmet, predicted Luke to an extent coming, but it didn't make it all any less impactful. You know. Yeah. To see it, to see it all fold out, and I genuinely believe that this will go down as one of the best Star Wars moments of all time. Um, and I don't think that's hyperbolic to say. I think, in terms of the overall canon of Star Wars, this will go down as one of those moments where people point back and say, "Yes, that's Star Wars. That's what defines Star Wars. That's the moment of emotion. That's the moment of excitement. And that's why we love this series." I think. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think there's there's something about Grogu that everybody just loves, right? I, I mean, uh, maybe because he's just a baby and he just makes noises and that. But like, there's so, there's something that is really entertaining about him, like to watch. Yeah. Um, the way that they've obviously, uh, you know, CGI this wee uh, baby Yoda as he was most commonly known as and I think he's universally known now whether you watch Mandalorian or not like you know that way and I think that's what you just said there about this being Star Wars and this being uh, one of the greatest Star Wars moments because not a lot of people like the sequels the prequels get a lot of hate and then you've got the original trilogy which is you know has stood the test of time as Swinney would say Uh, (laughs) as he would say (laughs) 17 times an episode (laughs) (laughs) uh, 
but this this year, this whole series is unlike anything else. Star Wars, and 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 the nicest way possible, if that makes sense. You know, it's it's not too dissimilar, but at the same time, it, it, it's a class above for me. Um, the writing, the acting, uh, the cinema cinematography, <laughs> the cinematics. I just yeah, a, a big fan of everything that start to finish. This scene, yeah. as you said, will be pivotal uh, for any for for what is about to be an absolute onslaught of Star Wars TV shows, yeah. which can't wait for. This will yeah. be a, as you said, a defining moment. We'll look back and go, Mandalorian started all this. Uh, yeah. The way the way that we look at Star Wars, the way that we've kind of um, matured it a wee bit. I think mm-hmm. is something that I like about it as well. You know, when, when you think back on side, yeah, Clomos is what it is, <laughs> but it's you know very immature at times. Like it's immature watching. You know, it's it's very sort of placid writing. Um, it's just it's general storytelling without you know without getting mm-hmm. without delving deep. And then, as I said, on the other side of the spectrum, you've got Mandalorian. In between, you've got all the movies for me, which kind of have an element of both. You've got a, a seriousness. You've also got the sort of typical Star Wars comedy, which is a bit, yeah, it's a bit like, haha, it's funny, but at the same time, cheesy as hell. Uh, and then you've, you've, got, but then as I said, you've got the Mandalorian, which for me just ticks all the boxes. So, um, really looking forward to it. Right now, this is one of the things that I want to pitch to you because I think, as much as I've just praised the writing, mm. right? How much better would it have been, right? Either. Dingerin gives Grogu the wee metal ball, right, yep. from the ship, which he did have because he obviously picked it up from the debris of Razor Crest's, you know, yep. uh, shattered carcass. Um, so he picks it up, he's got it. He's obviously either carrying it about with him or had it on Slave 1, whatever, right? Don't know exactly where it is because we haven't seen it for a while, but yep. how much better would that have been that he either gave it to Grogu or, even better, when Luke and Grogu are in the lift, like before the, the door's shut, Dangerin's like, oh fuck, I've nearly forgot, and then like pulls out the wee ball and like picks it up, and before he can even fucking like pull it up to like show Grogu, Grogu has force zapped it out of his yeah. hand and it, he's caught it. Yeah. How That'd much be better would, how class would that have been? Yeah. We need Not to only would it have been, would it, like, I mean, the scene itself was already, like, powerful enough, don't get me wrong, like, was, you know, bubbling up as I was watching it, just because of how, how much we've watched the, these two characters bond without even really being able to communicate properly. Yeah. Um, but this little ball has been vital, really, uh, particularly this season, and, and showing how how much of a bond they have, you know. I, I just think, I just think that that for me would have just been yeah. icing icing the cake, exactly cherry the, on top. I can see it coming back in in a mm-hmm. season or two, maybe. Well, Grogu I, returns. That's what I hope for. But I just mean, you know, that way. I, Grogu is so. I know he's old. Right? I was going to say he's so young. He's old, but he's so young. You know that. I don't think he's ever going to really forget Mando, right? Don't get me wrong, but you know that way you would obviously want something to remember. You know that way, like you know, you'd, you'd want something to remember me by, sort of thing. And I just think, like, I don't know that for. I remember thinking there, like, oh, when's he going to get this wee ball? Out? When's he going to get the wee ball? Out? And I think I maybe just disappointed myself with that. But then the more I spoke, the more I talked about it, or the more I thought about it, and I and I spoke to my sister about it, and I was like, how much better would that have been if he had just like 
pulled it out with the force, <laughs> like, at, like in the lift, uh, and Luke was just like, the fuck's this wee ball? <laughs> Do you know what I, I mean? Because Luke, I have, Luke would have no Torres idea. It's totally right, though, because they don't, they don't set things up not to pay them off in this show. Well, you know, they, yeah. they've made that big a deal out of it that they wouldn't have forgotten something like that. There will be some payoff further down the well, line, yeah, wherever yeah. that will be. I hope so. I definitely hope so. And and I'm not even dismissing that. I don't. It's not that I don't think that is. I just yeah. I suppose as I said, I disappointed myself. But I just thought <laughs> that would have loved. That would have been lovely. Um, to be honest. Um, also. Just a wee comment quickly. Uh, Luke CGI. I'm just, I'm just a bit annoyed. We spoke about Sebastian Stan. Yeah. I'm now just like I wish it was Sebastian Stan uh, <laughs> because the, it, it looked great at times. Like I think it looked good, um, but it always looked like CGI. And then see having him actually speak. Yeah. I was like the guy's mouth. It just isn't moving properly at all. Like surely, surely to God, you could have done that a wee bit better. Uh, anyway, as I said, didn't really take away from it, but can yeah, it's I going truff. something out, Jack? Because I've actually pulled up. You might have heard of a little blog called Truff Reviews, um, and I <laughs> did a review on a little movie called Rogue One, mm-hmm. in the start of twenty seventeen. And this is what I said: When the Fast and Furious franchise brought Paul Walker digitally back to life at the end of Fast Seven, I thought it was a really cool way to honor a man who'd given a good portion of his life contributing to that franchise. It was done tastefully and was meant more of a way of paying tribute to him than serving the film's selfish storytelling. This was most certainly not the case with the fucking CGI version of Moff Tarkin. Uh, this shit's all over the legacy of Peter Cushing. For starters, it didn't look realistic whatsoever, and any time the character appeared on screen, it felt more like I was watching a cutscene for a bloody video game rather yeah. than a multi-million dollar motion picture. Beyond that, it's immoral, and it gets into the immorality of it. But I think that thing about it feeling like a, a cutscene for a bloody video game still I mean, it did, it, true today. It looked a bit like Battlefront, to be fair. It, looked like, it just looked too, too clear around the edges you know yeah like yeah as if it had been like airbrushed well i mean it effectively has been airbrushed but you know that you know that way it just almost had like a kind of weird glow around them uh, yeah. and it just mm-hmm. it, it just kind of annoyed me a wee bit it's, I just, it's was, that way that i'm i'm willing to let it go because of what yeah. they gave us before that yeah like, nah, no. that, that is something that we'd never seen before a full strength luke skywalker that was the next right. thing I was going to come to. Actually, Torres, you mentioned that uh, right on time. Um, yeah, you can actually you can go on there. <laughs> Sorry. Like, um, like, honestly, it was watching him in full flow. Like this is mm-hmm. basically the Master Jedi now, mm-hmm. looking yep. for students to build his temple. And it even it, as we spoke briefly about, it is just a callback to Vader's absolute rampage at the end of Rogue One. Aye. And just there was even callbacks to Anakin Skywalker when he blocks the boat with the lightsaber behind his back because Anakin does that in Revenge of the Sith yeah. when he kills the B1 battle droid even stuff like that I was like it just gave me everything I, I never knew I wanted it <laughs> now that I've seen it I'm like I want to watch it again and again and again Aye. it was just amazing yeah, tough. Uh, any comment on that? It was, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see Luke's journey, um, you know, from A New Hope um, throughout all the way to Return of the Jedi. So the fact that we've now got, I, I can't even remember the exact, is it five years after Return of the Jedi? This is, yeah, roughly. Yes. Five or six. 
Yeah, can't remember. So I mean, yeah, as you said, uh, Torres, it's like he's he's obviously well versed now in the ways of the force. So um, yeah, truffle. Any any comment on that? Just just. I just off. think it makes sense, and it's the it does the job because you know I'm not going to harken the fact that you know I've been on record saying I like looking last Jedi. I like that evolution of him, but I feel that. A lot of the old school Star Wars fans felt they were cheated out of seeing, you know, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. You know, that true sort of final form of Luke in action. And they got it. After all this time, they got it. And I think it's a necessary thing. Torres has done well explaining why, you know, it looks cool. But I think it's a necessary thing for a lot of the older Star Wars fans to have seen this. So I'm happy for them. Happy for myself because I also found it quite cool. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he looked, he just looked class. Uh, aside from the CGI, as I said, the, the scene leading up to that, uh, it, it just looked brilliant. The movement, the choreography really for that um, yeah. was excellent. And uh, just that last, the last trooper that he has to deal with, he just crushes in his hand. <laughs> I just fucking loved that. Like, uh, we got to this point and he's like, uh, there's plenty of ways I could finish you off, but I'm just going to crush you in my hand. And I think, I think <laughs> that also kind of shows the way that he's developed because it's like a Jedi master because mm-hmm. that whole kind of force move was kind of frowned upon. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see that he's kind of adapted his beliefs and views I was thinking that even when he done it, it was almost Sith like. Uh, Very Anakin like. Like Anakin, uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to actually remember if we have seen it in. I mean, you, we've definitely seen it in canon. Fr- we have. From, you know, from we Dark are, Side, which is interesting. We've seen it when his father killed his mother. Ooh. Force chokes Padme and Mustafa. Oh, well, yeah. Th- I mean, force chokes are slightly different, though. That's what I mean. Because it's not, it wasn't even like a choke. It was like, I don't know, because he's a droid. Obviously, it's different, right? Or so, crush. I bet it was like a crush. Yeah. Right. I, 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 I suppose it's similar, like to. I'm pretty sure Vader's def, Vader will have definitely have done it to somebody's armor before. Aye. I Probably. feel like that's something we've seen. But want, want to know where you, where you see it? And I've just remembered it's in one of the cartoons, and it's when. Grievous, I'm pretty sure, kidnaps Palpatine on Coruscant to right. take him hostage, and Mace Windu does it to Grievous, and that's how Grievous is coughing in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Mace, man. Yes! <laughs> Mate. Have you seen, did you see that meme I said in the chat the other day just while we're on Palpatine? And it's like when you have an elaborate plan to play both sides and all of a sudden find yourself into a half a half a ship that's crashing in the air led by a bunch of idiots like in his <laughs> face, like looking about. <laughs> <You've been> looking <laughs> about. <laughs> so oh, it's good, it's good. Um so yeah, a very a very sad ending and, and as I said, we're looking forward now to towards the season three. Um but Quickly before we just finish it off, we got a nice post credit scene. So if you haven't already checked out the post credit scene because you're a bloody idiot, um, go back and watch that. But um, we're going to spoil it here for you anyway. Um, so <laughs> Book of Boba Fett, a separate season as has just been announced um, as well, will be 
Mm-hmm. Um, so a separate season, separate series completely, as I said. Um, and we'll obviously feature Ming Na, sort of um, Fennec Shand, side by side. <laughs> Truffles just exhaled there. <laughs> I'm so happy. See when she picks up the bottle and just starts drinking and she's by his side. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll say it before I say it again. Ming fucking Na. Give me every day of the week. She's so class, man. I fucking love her. Class. Uh, and you actually said it in the chat as well, Truff, that you clearly weren't expecting to see Bib Fortuna, but also a really fat Bib Fortuna, uh, you know, aye. taking after... Uh, very jabber-like. Uh, taking after <laughs> the huts. Um, so, yeah. Um, where do you where do you think that's going to go, Torres? What, what do you think Bob is going to be getting up to? Oh, well, he's the king of the underworld now, so he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I d- really don't know where it's going to go I think it's going to probably predominantly be on Tatooine like Nal Hutter probably they kind of worlds mm-hmm. because it's where the predominant kind of underworld exists but yeah. it'll be interesting to see if someone tries to take over his throne now he's taking it or what I don't know but I'm all on board for whatever it is I think it looks quite good, and it and it was good to see. We spoke about it before that, you know, uh, it was good to see Boba back. And I don't know, there's something about his character that that does draw in a lot of fans, and and fans are um, yeah. a big fan of him. But I think this was again one of the, as I've said for most of the season, it's been the, one of the best performances. Uh, I I don't mean above the rest of the others. I just mean like this is the kind of this is when we've seen. Uh, the best Boba, I would say. Um, sure. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Truff, uh, have you got any any thoughts on it? Or uh, what, I think it will be. Like I think we're getting Sopranos uh, or like slash Game of Thrones and Star Wars. You know, this will be the guy who's taken that power, but he's been presumed dead for years. There's going to be a lot that's changed. That'll be about trying to navigate that, and you'll see Fennec Shan basically take on the role of the hand. You know, of Boba Fett. Uh, in this show is mm-hmm. what I'm suspecting. Um, I know you haven't seen Solo, Jack. So if you want to cover your I ears have. for a second, I have. You have? Oh fuck! There I we watched. Go. I watched Solo the other night. Aye. And by <laughs> the way, absolutely loved it. Great it's so fun. it's so underrated. Oh, isn't it? actually, no, I, I really, that. I really enjoyed it. Actually, uh, a lot more than I was expecting. Um, well, and in fact, my speculation I think I, did, is I, think I had a question, but go ahead. My speculation is that Kira will come back at some point. Uh, okay. And if not in the Lando show, which seems to make sense, it could be the case that, you know, she's the head of Crimson Dawn. Because, Jack, what you don't realise is at the, when we first meet Maul in Clone War and Rebel, sorry, mm-hmm. he's just been abandoned on a planet mm. and stripped of his power as the head of Crimson Dawn. And a lot of people are suspecting that it's Kira who did that. So. Kira's badass, man. Like I fucking love her. She's so but, good. But mental, isn't she? But I would like I'd like to see maybe her as the, the antagonist to Boba Fett in that series. I think if you're gonna have someone go up against Boba Fett, it needs to be a big name. If you get Amelia Clark, Kira in there, that an older version, someone who's even more experienced and ruthless, that would be good for me. I'd like that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all bo- on board for that, definitely. Torres, what's your thoughts on that actually? I'd be right on board with it. Yeah. To be honest, she she does seem very villainous. So I can see that working. Just yeah. obviously, you'd probably need the backstories to how she's became head of Crimson Dawn. And, but apart from that, 
I'd be right on board with it. Definitely. So, as you said there, sorry, just to continue that there, uh, Truff, did you say that, so obviously we get the the last scene um, when Kira's speaking to Maul through Hologram. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's obviously the link there for, for people who maybe haven't seen Clone Wars and Rebels who don't know what Crimson Dawn is, well, you obviously find out kind of what it is and, it, and it's clearly... Yeah. Um, got this tie with the underworld and, and all the sort of um, underground dealings and stuff so what what do you what were you speculating there do you think that um, you said that Maul obviously gets stripped of his sort of title as he, yeah, as he head gets, of it so. he gets stripped of it he seems in Rebels he has his eye on other things like Sith artifacts and the sort of grander picture of you know, the fate of the galaxy. So it's like, you know, he's left the business world behind and became, you know, the sort of religious zealot again that we all know him and love him as. So yeah, yeah. it could be the case. I don't know if at the fall of the Hutt Empire that his bib fortuna doesn't look as powerful as Jabba did. So maybe, you know, the Huts have fallen under, you know, Crimson Dawn, that syndicate, and become a part of that syndicate. Um, and it could be the case that Boba rallies against this. And if Kira's still at the helm of that syndicate... That obviously draws them into you know conflict right away with a very plain and simple purpose uh, to it. Um, like I said, this is all just shooting in the dark. All just but again, but... that, that's what that's what we love to do in it. That's why we're here. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fucking class that there's there's zero spoilers. Like I like, I'm definitely a big fan of it being completely fresh. And and for me, as I said, somebody who isn't all that clued up on all this uh, to hear it from you I'm just like yeah I want that <laughs> you know <laughs> to hear it from both of you and, and, and get all the different sort of fresh ideas I'm like ooh I'm, you know I'm stroking the old chin here going ooh I like that <laughs> uh, stroking my balls here you know and it could be the case that Harrison Ford's still around he's filming Indiana Jones for Disney that could be where we see Han again you know yeah that could be where yeah. we see Han again. Definitely. So, wait, who, who's... Uh, did you say... Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's doing... And Darren Jones again, did you say? Yeah, yeah, he's, they're filming a fifth movie. I bet we wouldn't, surely we wouldn't need Han at that age, though. Yeah, that's... Because yeah, this takes place after Six Mind, so, you know, he only, he only still look as young as he did in Force Awakens, essentially. Oh, yeah, well, I suppose. He's you know? too busy raising his Wayne. Leave him alone. <laughs> we yeah. all know that went well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking daddy issues. <laughs> daddy issues. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I mean... Just before you end it, like, well done to Peyton Reed, by the way, and I take back... I wasn't maybe critical the last time we talked about him, you know, running down like director of Yes Man, director of Bring It On, director of the Ant-Man films, but they do have a through line of that sort of lighter subject matter, and I think he showed in this episode that he can handle, you know, he can handle the dark, he can handle the emotional, and I'd, I'd like to see Peyton Reed back as a director yeah. in the third season, because he was class. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll round it up there. Thanks again, uh, Truff and Torres, for, for joining me. Um, it's no been pleasure. an absolute pleasure um, doing this show. And if anything, like we said in the last show, Disney has kept us in business, baby. So uh, <laughs> be, be sure be sure to tune in next year when we're pro. We're going to try and squeeze in pretty much everything 
<laughs> uh, what are the actual dates, uh, Druff, just before? We don't know. Uh, we the only date that is uh, confirmed is, is, is uh, December 2021, which is Book of uh, Boba. So I, I don't know if there's anything else in the pipeline uh, as of yet for next year. Well, I think there's talk of Mandalorian Season 3 being around the similar time. Well, That's where the well whole kind of debate of was going to be a kind of spin-off of... Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Yeah, but it's now filming at the same time. It's now been confirmed that they're both the same or the yeah. different, different shows. <laughs> different, but uh, at the same time. Okay. They, they, they could get the speculation is the Bad Batch could drop in a couple of months because um, mm. it looks finished. You know, it looks okay. complete from the trailer. So we'll have to see. I'm excited about that. Obviously, we talked about Phoenix Shand. Um, Grand Admiral Tarkin, a huge part of that show, um, mm-hmm. a classic Star Wars character who I don't think gets enough love. Like he really is the villain uh, outside of Vader in that first movie. So Aye. you know it'll be, and that'll be a good one to sort out. But I'm glad we have like the three of us, and obviously Scott could be here today. Doesn't matter if it's TV or film. This seems to be you know Team Star Wars as far as the FT podcast is <laughs> concerned. So I'm excited when we get the opportunity to come back. Absolutely, uh, definitely. Um, so yeah, guys, just uh, make sure you stay tuned. We'll um, we'll let you know whenever things are coming out, and we'll certainly be back here to talk all things Star Wars. Um, in the meantime, we'll be working on our next project for next year. Hopefully, there's some new TV to for us to watch and for you to listen. Okay, guys, thank you. Stay hard, stay fast, no mercy. We'll see you later. <laughs>